Hello, fans, and welcome back to another edition of the CIAC cast. It is that time of year. It is tournament time. The uh, past few days have seen many, many CIAC tournament pairings released on CIACsports.com, and we wanted to mix in a little bit of a CIAC cast for you to help get you ready for what's going to be a fun few weeks of spring championship competition in the CIAC tournaments. I, of course, am Joel Cookson. Happy to have you along with us today. We've got three guests lined up who are going to help us walk through some of the CIAC tournament competition as it gets underway here in just a few days. We've recorded this over the span of two days, Thursday and Friday, both of which have seen lots of pairings. So by the time this is released and you're listening to it, just about all of the pairings should be out with maybe just a few exceptions on CIACsports.com. But you'll uh, you'll want to check everything out there. We're going to have uh, one of our more uh, frequent guests, Matt Conyers of the Hartford Current, is going to come on to help us break down the CIC Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Then we're going to talk to Sean Krofsick, talk a little bit about girls softball. Some of the top teams in the state reside in his coverage area there. And then Mike Sportini of LaxWormRadio.com. He's going to join us to help us uh, break down what's going to maybe happen in the boys lacrosse tournaments coming up here on the CIAC cast. So we hope you'll uh, tune in and check out all of the good works from those folks. We will be uh, chatting with them shortly. But first, of course, always want to do things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. And this time of year, it's all pairings all the time. You go to tournamentcentral.CIACsports.com. It's going to have all of the tournament information that you could be looking for. So we hope you'll check that out. Pairings, schedules, rosters. Check out the great rosters features. You can access those online on the mo- our mobile site as well, uh, ciac.mobile.com. So check that out as well. Lots of good information there. So we hope you will uh, check that out. Uh, ciacmobile.com. I always get that address wrong. That's the uh, If you point your mobile device to ciacmobile.com, you'll get all of our mobile content as well for your uh, device. So check out all of the great tournament information that's there on the Tournament Central page. Brackets, as I said, all of the pairings are there. Check out the schedules. Check out what's going to happen. Check out everything. It's uh, it's a great time of year to uh, to look at Tournament Central, as I said. By the time you're listening to this, pairings and just about everything, with maybe the exception of Boys and Girls Golf, which will be coming next week, and a few others, others where the deadlines are a little later today on Friday, uh, will be there, but uh, it's all good. Uh, another thing that we've talked about a lot, but this is the time of year to do it. Sign up for... CIAC tournament information to be emailed or texted directly to you. You can sign up and get very specific information, exactly what you're looking for, uh, whether it be a specific school, a specific sport, a specific tournament, whatever you're looking for, you can tailor those information updates. It's a great thing to do this time of year. You get up-to-date results at the end of the day. You'll get notifications if there are changes to schedules. That can be very important this time of year. Don't want to head out to that game and then get there and find out that it's been postponed. So that's a good way to keep up to date with what's happening if times have changed schedules have changed that stuff is all there and uh and keeps you up to date with what else happens so maybe you're following your team uh, at the in the state softball tournament but you want to see you know who else won on the other part of the bracket you get all of that uh e- information emailed or texted to you so hopefully you uh folks will take advantage of that service it's a it's a great service that we can provide for you also on CIACsports.com, posted just a few things uh, in the past week or so since our last CIAC cast where we uh, chatted with our uh, executive director. Hope you'll check out the previous edition of the CIAC cast as well. 
We got a few new editions of Linked Up there. We posted uh, CIC media tournament tournament information for the media. Be sure to check that out if you're one of our media members listening to the podcast this week. Also, a little promo uh, for athletes, you know, who's maybe they're seeing their their athletic career come to an end as uh, as the CIC tournaments unfold or the regular season uh, came to a close. Or maybe we've got some of our former athletes, college athletes, who are uh, seeing their careers wrap up here. Maybe interested in uh, in becoming a high school sports official to stay involved. So you can uh, there's information on who to contact at the CIAC office if maybe that's a path that you're interested in uh, in going down. It's a great way to stay involved in high school sports. Uh, and and we need officials. The you know the the rosters uh, are are thinning a little bit, and it uh, it is an area of uh, of need and of concern. So we hope that uh, some of our folks who are who are interested in high school sports and have enjoyed their high school sports experience might consider. Uh, Staying involved as an official, it, it is a rewarding way to uh, to stay involved in high school athletics. So those are just a few of the things you might have missed on CICsports.com. Of course, you might also have missed our message from the friends, our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. Do not drive distracted. That is the message. Uh, and also this time of year, it's a holiday weekend. Drunk driving continues to take a terrible toll on our nation, claiming almost 10,000 lives each year. In 2011 alone, so that was a few years ago, but still, there were 9,878 fatalities. That's almost 10,000 fatalities on America's highways in which drunk drivers or motorcycle riders were involved. That works out to about an average of one fatality every 53 minutes. That's too much. Athletes, fans, and families, please always designate a sober driver to stay safe on the road. It's a holiday weekend. People may be out uh, enjoying themselves, out celebrating, out enjoying the fact that they uh, don't have to go to work on Monday. Please be safe. Please have a designated driver before you uh, head out wherever you're going or come back from wherever you have been. All right, so that's uh, the message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. With all that said, oh, and I wanted to mention, uh, we do have, you know, obviously this time of year, we're going to be doing the CIAC cast, probably still on our every other week schedule, maybe uh, varying from time to time. You can check out Twitter or uh, CIACsports.com to get an idea of when we've posted a new new podcast. Of course, you can also just subscribe to the podcast. That'll be... uh, come directly to you but with so many spring sports we may not be able to uh, to always dive into them uh, with the degree that we would like but we would love to hear from you if there are folks that you think would be worthwhile to talk to uh, to help us break down some of these CIAC tournaments always tricky with uh, with so many sports in the spring to give uh, you know the full uh, the full coverage or as much coverage as we would like to each of them so send us an email ciaccast at casciac.org. If you have somebody who you think would be a, a good guest to uh, to help us break down a tournament or maybe offer some uh, perspective on, on championships that have taken place. So certainly take that into account. We do the best we can to, uh, to try to bring coverage to all of the different spring championship sports. But uh, this time of year, it is a little tricky with, uh, you know, so many championships in the spring to, uh, to give coverage to all of them. But we will certainly do our best. With all that said, we're going to start things off with the, uh, the championships that will be held first, uh, at least the finals that will be held first here coming up in just a few days. These outdoor track and field championships will get underway on uh, May 31st. They will be the first ones out of the gate. We've got uh, a couple on May 31st, a couple on June 1st, and then a, and then one on June 2nd. So hope you'll uh, keep those in mind. And we wanted to, uh, to break down what might happen with them with Matt Conyers of the Hartford Current. 
We have with us now one of our most frequent uh, CIAC cast guests, and that's because uh, he does a great job covering high school sports, and uh, and we love talking to him. So Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current is uh, is one with us once again to help us break down the uh, the outdoor track and field championships. Matt, thanks as always for being with us. Joel, always enjoy it. Pleasure coming on, and thanks for thinking of me. Nope, we're happy to uh, to have you uh, dive into this with us here. So first off, let's uh, for our, our devoted CIC cast guests, they may remember. I believe you joined us uh, prior to the indoor track and field championship. So let's uh, sort of just kind of a nuts and bolts question first. Uh, you know, we covered indoor track and field, or, and I can't remember if we previewed or recapped, but one of the two. Uh, you know, the indoor championships, and now we're moving outdoors. So sort of just generally speaking. You know, what's different about the outdoor championships from the indoor? What's going to, you know, whether it's maybe, you know, why are some teams going to fare better than others that, uh, you know, that they did on the outdoor than indoor? Or just kind of generally speaking, what's sort of the difference between the two championships? Let's start there. Yeah, Joel, the biggest thing uh, when you make that leap from winter to spring is the size. You know, it's the obvious answer, and I hate to give it to you, but it's the size. You have more events, you have more athletes. The teams with bigger with bigger teams with more depth and more balance get rewarded. Mm-hmm. In the indoor season, you can see some teams that are, have you know uh, five or six real strong athletes, and then a good crew of sporting cast really run the table in indoor track. That that's the one thing about it um, that everybody seems to think that outdoor has a little bit of advantage because you really get a judge of who is the best team because you need to have that balance. You can't get away with just having sprinters. You can't just get away with having jumpers. I know there are some people that will argue that teams in the past have, but if you really look at it, you really break it down. All the great teams, they all share one uh, similarity, and that is that they have that depth. And, and that's what really plays the advantage in outdoor track and, and why so many of us track nerds, track junkies <laughs> love it, is because there's so many different options, so many different ways to win. So now you're looking at teams that were good in the winter, you know, a lot of the usual suspects, teams you always hear me talking about, mm-hmm. the Danbury's, uh, the Windsor's, the Bloomfield's, the Tollins. Well, now they're, they they go to the spring and you say, okay, can you do it with a little bit more depth, a little bit more balance? And these teams have seemingly risen to that task. So when you look at it on paper and you're trying to analyze the two differences, I always come back to you got a bigger team, more points out on the board, and it comes down to who's going to fill out those spots best, who's going to recruit and, and get the necessary points, get the necessary people in the different different dis, different disciplines. And that's that's the beauty of outdoor track and field. There's so many different things going on. In indoor track, you go to a meet, you can kind of see everything, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part, especially if you're boy little. If you're up in the balcony watching, you can still see the shot, but you can still see the pole vault going on. But there's so many different pieces in outdoor track. And for some writers, uh, you'll get them, oh, that, that can be confusing, that can be tough. But that's really, to me, the beauty of outdoor track is that size and, and how everybody can come together to form a, a victory. Absolutely. So that's a good primer on what we're going to see. We also, just uh, in, pu- in terms of pure logistics, we add a meet in the outdoor season. So we've got one more divisional championship, uh, you know, which also kind of spreads the fields out a little bit more as well. So just uh, have that in, in mind for our, uh, our fans as we head into the outdoor, uh, outdoor championships, which will get underway uh, the 31st of May, coming up very, very quickly. The Class L uh, championship and Class M championship, one at Willowbrook Park and one at Middletown. 
Town High School. So get the uh, the the details out of the way, and now let's kind of dive in here, Matt. So let's uh, let's start. You talked with some of those teams. Let's maybe start on the girls' side. Who are some of the teams that you're looking at in some of these uh, divisional meets uh, that could be coming away with some hardware? Yeah, I, I think you have to start kind of where you ended it last year. Uh, it was such a dramatic finish, Joel, last year at the State Open and some of these class meets. And the team that didn't come away with it but was so close, they were, you know, in my opinion, they were the favorite in the State Open. Uh, they were surprised a little bit. They lost by one point. That was Bloomfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so rare that you see a team with so much talent, so much depth like Bloomfield. Now, they're another one of these teams that stereotypically gets called, ah, they're a sprint team. Or they're a junk team. Right. Well, let's, we, we, you kind of got to put the brakes on that because that, that doesn't give the truth. Uh, for a long time, Bluefield's also been a fantastic throwing team, a uh, great relay team. And, and this year, after that one-point disappointment of losing to Windsor, who's also their rival, uh, I really think Bluefield's just kind of burst through the gates and they haven't looked back. They've done some amazing stuff and a lot of the discipline so far. And, and they seem to be... Coming back into this championship season, this 10-day period or so, uh, with that kind of momentum they had at, and kind of the attention, they, they, they've absorbed a lot of the limelight, and, and they're not going to be under the radar. <laughs> and it feels like indoor season again. I mean, on Tuesday, they, they participated in the CCC North Championship. They got to see some new teams. Uh, they don't always go against Manchester, but at the same time, they went against Colin, uh, who always brings out the best in Bluefield, two of the best. Uh, if you're going to see a dual meet, usually in the outdoor season, you should just go see Colin Bloomfield because it's one of the best rivalries, and they always have great competition. Uh, and Bloomfield at the CCC North just put up an impressive day. They beat Colin, who is a state open favorite as well, sure. and a favorite in Class M. Uh, they beat them by 40 points, uh, a, a real impressive effort. And the thing that's standing out to me with this Bluefield team is they only have one senior, Joel, uh, Erica Belvet, uh, and she's coming into this final championship season motivated, really pushing herself. She's not going to she's not gonna run in college. She's actually going to Northeastern to throw, mm-hmm. and she's putting up amazing times in the sprint so far. She won the 100 to the 200 to the CCC North, so she's kind of been the catalyst for them, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, you've got another great sprint there in Cassidy Palmer, a transfer from Stafford last year who had won uh, the 100. Yeah, uh, Zadra James, who had never run the hurdles, now running the hurdles, uh, one of the top three in that event, possibly in the 300 and the 100. And you've got uh, a tremendous 400 runner who's a freshman. you got Jillian Mars, Jalia Harris, who's a great long jumper. I mean, the list goes on and on. But if you go back to if you go back to the throws, that's really been where they've been the most impressive this year. This Bloomfield team with uh, Brittany Jones and then Erica Pelvet again. Erica's not. I said she's finishing up sprinting. She's going to go into throwing. Last night, last on Thursday night at the Dream Invitational, she broke the state record, and then we have to say unofficial state record in mm-hmm. quotes here uh, in the hammer throw. Uh, mm-hmm. So that once that gets confirmed, she'll be the record holder of that. And Brittany Jones. Uh, through 45 feet in the shot put at the CCC North meet. And when you start throwing 45, you're getting a lot of head churns, a lot of people paying attention. That's a serious throw uh, in girls' track and field. So this Bluefield team has seemingly come into the year with lots of motivation, lots of focus, eager to kind of redeem themselves from that near miss. 
Um, I actually, I don't even think they need to redeem themselves. They, they competed well. They just got Windsor came out and really uh, performed at the State Open sure. and indoor. But they really, Bluefield's point being, they've come in very strong and they're looking to capitalize on all that talent they have. So that, that's really a team that you're focusing on. And then it's the question is, how are Windsor and Tallinn going to do? These are the two teams that battled it out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tallinn's looking very healthy. You know, you don't want to sleep on them. Uh, you got some really feisty individuals that really want to go out on top. Uh, and Caitlin Swanson, Julia Sprout, that, they're the two senior leaders for that Tallinn team. They were juniors last year when Tallinn won the title. And I got a feeling they're going to put Tallinn right in position to go after the state open title when it comes down to it on, on June 6th. And then, and then Windsor. I mean, Windsor's the rival of Bloomfield. Uh, some will say they're, they're more so a favorite in this state open than, uh, than Bloomfield, where they're tremendous relays, tremendous sprints, uh, a great hurdler and field athlete in Kenya Warner. So it, I can't remember, Joel, where we've headed into a championship season mm-hmm. with more excitement uh, following them, these teams in the class meet, uh, and then seeing what they can do in this state open because it's really going to be a tight battle in the state open you've got three or four teams and i didn't even mention danbury right. that really have a legit shot at it and it's not going to be one running its way it's not going to be won by a team that has two or three people uh i, I really think uh, the class championships are really going to build towards something special when it comes to girls track and field yeah really looking forward to it as uh, as you said uh now how about on the boys side uh, same question what are you sort of uh who are some of the teams that are kind of uh, catching your attention as uh as we head into both the class and the state open meet it, it's funny Joe. you look at the favorites it's two things the two sides of the coins in uh boys track and field you have the favorites you have three teams that come into this uh championships really considered the best considered almost uh close locks to win and can they handle pressure? And then the opposite side, uh, you've got Class M where it's almost wide open and someone's going to be a surprise that comes out of there, whoever wins. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see that in the past, but this year, again, it, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, the favorites I'm talking about are obviously Danbury Boys, Weathersfield Boys, and uh, Bloomfield Boys. These are three teams that have come into the uh, season with lots of expectations, hopes very high, They've performed well so far, and this is their moment. This is what they've been working for. Specifically, Weathersfield, you know, this is the team won its first indoor title, the Class L title, beating rival Windsor mm-hmm. in the in the winter, and they return everybody. In fact, they not only return everybody from that indoor team, they get somebody extra uh, in Richard Williams, who just happens to be arguably one of the best javelin throwers in the state. So that's a pretty good uh, addition. They, they, they perform well. Uh, they really had a standout meet a couple weeks ago at the Greater Hartford uh, Invitational, which is always one of these big spring, springboard meets. Teams that do well there typically do well in their class meet. Uh, Weathersfield just dominated. They've got uh, tremendous depth across the board. I would argue they are the most balanced team in the state. Uh, and then they've got three superstars, really. Uh, Julian Campbell has a shot to contend in every jumping event on the track. Uh, long jump, triple jump, high jump. Uh, he was a force in the indoor season. He's come back. He stayed healthy, which is always a key for uh, seniors. Um, and he's gotten the job done. And then he's got two other senior partners in crime with him. He's got uh, Elijah Young, who, who, who could be one of the best sprinters or middle-distance runners in the state. Mm-hmm. He's going to run the two. He's going to run the four. He's going to be key on the relays for them. Uh, then you got another senior leader in Troy Stegman. Uh, you've got uh, Richard Williams, who I, I mentioned, 
I mean, the team is just uh, tremendously uh, loaded with tremendous talent, and they're really gearing up for for this time to be in the spotlight. This is what they want. I talked to them uh, at the start of May, and they said, you know, we want to be known as the best team in Weathersfield school history. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. track and field? They go, no, school history. <laughs> so those are lofty aspirations. Absolutely. Uh, and, and they have so many seniors, so that that's an advantage. Uh, they know what's coming at them. They know people are looking to them, so they're going to be ready to go. Yeah. And uh, on the other side, Dan Barry was just so impressive in the indoor season. Uh, another team with tremendous depth, great coaching, always coming to the championship season, ready to peak. They're, they're well-timed for it. Uh, and, and they're going to be a state open favorite, too. Uh, they, they've got the distance team. They've got sprinters. Uh, you just really like to look at these teams uh, that find a way to piece it all together. And then Bloomfield, last year, I think we talked, uh, and all the focus was on Bloomfield trying to break that record. No team had ever won nine in a row. They did it just barely against a very formidable Canton team. Canton uh, just lost by seven, but Bloomfield pulled it out. Really, uh, on that day, uh, back last last year in 2015, it was the throws that got it done. And, and this year, again, uh, Coach uh, Damian Larkin, they go call him Coach Country, and Bluefield has just done an amazing job, an amazing job with the throwing, the throws team at Bloomfield. Uh, just to show you what how talented of a coach he is and how good he is, he had a kid uh, who hadn't even thrown three months ago in the shop, but just break 50 feet. That's Andrew Pinnock. He was a CCC North champion. Mm-hmm. And then you got Christian Hall Gardner. You got Raheem Dawkins. Um, so Bluefield's going to put up big points. Now Canton thinks they have a shot. Old Saber kind of shot. They'll be in contention. But it's very hard to combat Bloomfield when they're putting up 50 subnot points in the throws, and then they don't, then they go to the sprints, and they're just as equally as deep, and and they're just as strong in the relays this year. Uh, another team that really wants to build momentum at that class championship and see where they go um, headed into the state open, and then you then you turn to the class M, and the way we kind of opened it was. Uh, that you have these two, these three teams that are all very strong, and then you have the Class M uh, as kind of being up for grabs. Right. And there's a lot of people that are really going to try and, and go for it this year that really think they have a shot. And, and, and to me, that's, that's the best possible scenario. i, I got to believe, especially for you guys over at the CIAC, you want as many teams uh, going for it as you can. And, and when you look at Class M, you've got Northwest Catholic, you got uh, you got Ellington going to be playing into it. Uh, there's there's a lot of teams that are going to come in hungry, and you don't need a lot of points to win it. Any team that really, uh, I think, goes for you know 50 or so points, they're going to put themselves in contention. Uh, and I think we're going to see a meet that's going to come down to the wire. I could be surprised a team could run away with it, but I think Class M is the one out there that might yield the most surprises in individual performances. And team performances. Yeah, no, that'll certainly be fun to watch. As you said, you know, we we certainly like uh, we like all competitions, but it is interesting when you get into a meet without uh, you know with a lot of teams feeling like they have a realistic chance to uh, to earn that championship. So let's uh, let's look at uh, you know, there's as you said, there's a lot going on. We've got uh, you know six uh, or excuse me five divisional championships uh, in in on boys and girls, uh, and of course the open championships coming up, and then uh, we'll add to that the decathlon, uh, heptathlon, hammer, and steeple the that following week. But uh, just for for people who really want to pick and choose, uh, how about maybe give me 
two or three events uh, on the boys' and the girls' side, either at the divisional meets or the uh, the Open Championships, where you're really looking kind of for some special competition, uh, where you think it's going to be, uh, you know, really, uh, really, really competitive and, and seeing some impressive stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few neat, uh, events right now that really stand out, Joe. And before I get, I just want to make sure because I don't want to put my foot in the mouth. I, I didn't mention Windsor is one of the favorites too. They're a big favorite in Class uh, MM, so you want to keep an eye on them as well. But one of the events that really has stood out the last year or so uh, has been the girls' high jump. You've got athletes. It's really a golden period for that event. Now, there's been athletes that have jumped further, but there's never been quite the group, the cluster of athletes mm-hmm. uh, that we've had at this time. Uh, you just got to look at the indoor uh, championship at the state open. Nine girls uh, went five two, and, and, that, and that's really unheard of. Uh, then another five went five four, uh, and then at the top you had three girls go five six. I mean. Most years, uh, you look at the state open championship and out indoor track, and you're lucky if you get one girl going five six or two girls going five four. But there's such a cluster uh, uh, of talent right now in the state in the high jump, mm-hmm. and, and we see this, you know, from time to time. You see events. Uh, it's certainly been the case with the distance events, uh, you know, from 2010 to now, where you know athletes have continually stepped at the bar, both boys and girls, and now it's the high jump's turn. Uh, you got three that really come off the top of your head. Uh, Manchester's Elizabeth Lodge, a junior, a super talent. You got Monique uh, Anderson from Bloomfield, just a sophomore. She's the one who's coming in as the, the, the favorite. She did win the state open uh, in indoors. She jumped five seven. Uh, and then you've got Abby Gathers. You've got Jan Harris uh, from St. Joe's. You've got kids. You've got such an assortment of kids. You've even got you know from Ellington, Megan Nolan. There's a lot of people that are going to be into the in the equation here when the high jump comes in. So it's just going to be fun to see how that mix comes together. I think it, uh, and as you know, Joel, on any given day, things can go your way in the high jump, or they can go the opposite end. So it it, it is going to be interesting who comes in strong, who comes in focused. Uh, you really need to have that calming presence when you start the high jump in a big meet, uh, and you need to really focus on your routine and the technical aspects of the sport. But I, I think, once again, the girls' high jump is going to be one of those events to watch. i, I got to believe about five girls are going to go over 5-4 at the uh, State Open and throughout class meets. And, and, and I think the winning, you're going to see somebody or a couple people jump 5-6. We might even get a 5-7 in there. A lot of, I've talked to a lot of the coaches of these girls that are high jumping, and they say it's there. They're ready. They're expecting the 5-6 to come down for a lot of uh, – different athletes, so uh, that's got me excited. As always, the relays have got me excited. I've seen a lot of strong performances in the 4x4 this year for both girls and boys. Uh, it's, it's always an exciting uh, meet, and then you throw in that these athletes are running such great times right. uh, that, that it only makes it even more exciting. So uh, it, it, we might have a state open that's decided by two or three points, and it comes down to the 4x4 four four once again with teams going sub uh, and girls going sub four minutes. It's going to be that fun. Windsor Bloomfield with two almost lethal 4x4 uh, four four teams. On the boys' side, I- I'm paying attention to the discus. Uh, the last few years, it's been the shot put. It's got, it's got some of the attention. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was the javelin. I think the boys' discus is going to be one of the premier throwing events, premier field events out there to watch. There's mm-hmm. a lot of guys that have their – they're going to try and put their hand in it, try and uh, – Come away with a title. Ken Will Briggs will be there. 
Uh, Bluefield, obviously, as we talked about, has a lot of guys that are going to try and throw in the mix there. And Avon's got a kid in Jeff Kirk uh, who's coming off a good performance at the Greater Hartford Invitational two weeks ago, uh, a football player, and then he won all three throwing events at the CCC Central Meet the other day. Uh, a really remarkable feat. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's another kid kind of under the radar uh, as opposed to some of these other throwers out there uh, that you definitely got to pay attention to. And when you look at the track, uh, you, you can't go talk, uh, talk about this year, 2016, without saying you got to keep an eye on the mile and the 800 from, and the 32 for two big reasons. This is it. We, we do not get to see uh, Danae Rivers and Hannah DeBaldi after this year. I yeah. mean, these kids, two kids have been in the limelight, the spotlight, the, the minute they stepped on the track as freshmen, and, and we will say goodbye to them. Uh, and i got to believe we're saying goodbye to them in fitting, uh, fitting fashion because we, these kids are going to go out on top, they're going to go for it. And I think they're going to get pressure thrown on them, too. There's some other athletes coming into the mix that are really uh, motivated. You look at Coggenshaw, Jessica Drop. She's running crazy times again. She seems to be healthy. Uh, here's another kid going to Georgia with her sister and is peaking at the right time. So all these seniors that we've known for so long, right. uh, that us writers have written about, TV folks have uh, filmed, they're all saying goodbye. Again, again, we go back to Caitlin Swanson and Julia Sprout. Uh, then Windsor's Fab Five that helped win the state open in the winter. Tashana Hines, Tiana Baker, these pe- kids are all saying goodbye. Uh, it's really been the class of 2016. has been a very strong class. And uh, I, I don't expect them to change. I think these kids are going to go out on top. Uh, but, yeah, the 800, the 1,632, uh, the 400, I think there's going to be some fireworks in those events for girls and boys. Outstanding. And, yeah. and then Randy Neese, too, for class and very boys. He's a kid that's always won the records, chased the record, uh, and he seems to be in fine form right now. Outstanding. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing some of this. So maybe give me uh, – we'll go – I've got only uh, maybe one or two more questions for Matt here, so we'll uh, let him uh, get back to work here. But uh, just maybe one or two athletes. Uh, you mentioned sort of, you know, the key, and you've talked about a lot of the great, uh, you know, standouts that folks are going to see over the, the next uh, week or so. But maybe, you know, one or two athletes, and you talked about how important that depth is. Maybe give me one or two athletes who – who aren't, you know, on teams that are going to be contending, but uh, but have some, you know, just maybe because their teams don't have the depth, but are are sort of standout performers uh, on their own who are maybe going to be doing some impressive things. So maybe some some individuals that uh, that folks might not be as aware, as aware of because their teams aren't uh, necessarily contending for championships, but may put up some impressive performances. Anyone fit that kind of bill at the uh, the meets coming up? Yeah, I, I don't know if this quite answers the question, but I've got a couple after him, but I think you have to start. When you're talking about an athlete that doesn't have the team that's going to contend, um, it's Mark Doily. I mean, Mark Doily, uh, unfortunately, Weaver has had to go through some changes at school, and there's just not the same level of kids coming out to participate. But boy, oh boy, Mark has uh, really put himself on the map the last couple of years, and I'd be remiss if we didn't address him coming into the state championship time uh, mm-hmm. for Weaver. He, he's, he's the best sprinter in Connecticut, best sprinter in New England, and that he might be one of the best sprinters in the nation. You know, he just he competes in a cold weather state, so he doesn't have the advantage that some of these warmer weather states have. Uh, he's such a talent, Joel. Uh, he seems to be only getting better. Uh, if he can get that uh, trick of staying healthy down and avoiding any hamstring issues like he did in the indoor season, uh, we're really going to see something come together. He wants records. 
and I got to believe he's going to get him. He's only a junior. Uh, so far this year, he's run 10, 1076 in the 100. He's run 21.64 in the 200. Uh, he's going to come in as a heavy favorite in both events. If we get a warm weather day like we've had uh, this week, if we get a 90 weather day, uh, the, the the records might be might be there for the taking for Doyle. He, he, we still haven't seen the best from him. Uh, tremendous talent with so much with one of the best starts you'll see. So another gut kid you got to pay attention to. If you don't see Weaver in the uh, list, that's fine. But you got to make sure you're watching the 100, the 200 when he steps on the track. He's electric. He's not a big guy. He's a small guy. He's always smiling. Uh, and he's another guy that's handled the pressure. You know, these kids, uh, some of these kids that have been in the limelight since they started are pretty amazing the way they handle the pressure. They continually step up and surprise us, impress us. So Doyle's that one kid you really want to look at it in that regard uh, for a team that's not going to be too much in the attention um, because they're not going to be in the team competition. Right. As for as for the girls, uh, you know, Simsbury is a team that you know a couple years ago had great success. They're a good team, solid team, uh, but I don't think many people are expecting them to go and run away with the club. With a class championship, but they have Vicky Millage, another junior. We talk about Doily. Vicky's also a junior. She 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 seems to have gotten better this in outdoor season. Looks very strong, very clean. Uh, not hitting the hurdles. She's got she's a threat in the 100 hurdles, 300 hurdles. So here, you, you talk about the big teams. You talk about the deep teams. Uh, and they get a lot of attention all the time. Glastonbury, Tom, Bloomfield, Danbury. Uh, staples. These teams get a lot of focus. Their athletes get a lot of focus. Mm-hmm. But uh, two people that really come to mind that don't have, uh, in the case of Doyle, doesn't have the same depth as some of those big boys teams. He's a guy you want to pay attention to. Millage is another person you really want to watch. Amanda Howe in the discus uh, from Southington. Uh, Southington is a good, respectable program. Amanda, though, has really stepped up, uh, really breakthrough year. She's a sophomore has a chance to win the discus this year, really committed to the sport. Last year, she was a soccer player through everything. She's kind of windowed down what she does, and because of that, she's become better in the discus and the shot. Uh, and she's a threat in both, you know, so uh, it's going to be interesting there. And, and one girl, another girl, we tend to shy away from uh, ever mentioning is Yana from Cheshire, and I'm going to mess up her name. I, I never can say it right, Joel, but she's been in the picture <laughs> All the time, a tremendous uh, long jumper, and uh, she, she is once again the top seed. Uh, she's jumped 18, one and a half. Again, you look at the other teams, but she, she's a girl that's always been there. It's her senior year, uh, and sometimes unfairly, you look, you say, yeah, they haven't gotten the same attention, and she's one of them um, that really deserves to get some of the attention that other, a lot of these other athletes have got. Great stuff, as always, from Matthew Conyers. So we'll, we'll get you out on this question. And, uh, and, and, uh, and obviously there's so much still to come. Uh, you know, the divisional meets, you have to see how those play out. But if you had to sort of uh, roughly handicap the Open Championships on the boys' and the girls' side, which way are you – we're not asking for a prediction, but maybe which way are you leaning right now uh, for, for, for the Open Championships, which will be held uh, um, on uh, – excuse me here as I check my – calendar because uh, on uh, June 6th at Willowbrook Park w- which way are you leaning uh, if, you, if you had to lean a, in a direction right now for the boys and girls open 
Well, I, like I said at the beginning, Joel, uh, I think we're going to get a really special girl state open. I think it's going to be one to remember. People are going to talk about it for a while because there's so many different teams uh, w- with different dimensions to themselves going for this title. I think Bluefield has to be considered the favorite. Wins are right there. Um, and and then I think Tolland's that dark horse. And, and and then right there, right with Tolland is Danbury. So there's four teams right there that are going to be all vying for it. Uh, you know, it, it could flip flop in two days. It, it, you know, someone could go down with uh, get sick and Windsor. That's how close it is. Windsor could go ahead. Um, so I think it's going to be separated by two, three, five points at most. I think Bluefield and Windsor, the two rivals. And I just as a, as a writer, you couldn't really ask for anything more, right? You got sure. two teams that are border each other, uh, that have had intense rivalries, have have a have a strong history of track and field. The coaches know each other well. Uh, they're always looking to compare each other, and they're going to be there at the end of the day, at the end of the meet, going head to head versus each other. And then on the outside, uh, the team that really stole the show last year, the team that made history, Tallinn. Uh, that won a dramatic state open itself mm-hmm. has kind of gotten everybody back in the position. Uh, Kathy Loretto is healthy now. Caleb Swanson is healthy now. Uh, the relay teams are coming to form. Uh, the, the one peg getting one negative was always the town. Well, they don't have a throwers. They don't have uh, somebody in the field that can really lift them this year. Not quite, not true at all. Taylor Hall now has really stepped into the shot put, has the fourth best throw in the shot put uh, this season. They've got Jeff Perry in the javelin, Amy Aaron Zadroga in the ball. So when you start looking, you go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Holland's in this picture, too. So when I'm handicapping the girls, and then and then Danbury, I'm not even mentioning that Danbury's got as much depth as anybody else. So right. when you look at, at, at when you look at this, uh, you got four teams handicapping it that you really got to be serious about. And I think it, if one thing goes right, if someone from out of it, uh, out of nowhere, wins a, an event or takes some points away, it could swing one thing in one team's favor. Uh, so they've all got a shot at it, and that, that's all you can ask for, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Bloomfield, Windsor, they're all, Danbury, they're all going to be right there. On the boys' side, uh, you know, I, I started the season looking at Weathersfield. I'm going to not stray from what I said at the beginning. I think this is going to be a real special season for Weathersfield. One to remember, uh, you just don't have a senior class like this that often. Uh, and I think they're, they've never won a state open. They really want it. And sometimes it's tough when you really want it. When you go out there and say you want it, it's tough to follow it up. But I think this team's got the character to do it. I think they've got the coaching to do it. Um, and I think they're going to really make a run for it. And I wouldn't get discount uh, Bloomfield or Windsor at the same time. These are two teams that have had, Bloomfield hasn't had any setbacks. They're coming in with lots of momentum. Uh, they're hungry for it. Uh, they want to prove that they're just uh, they deserve the spotlight as much as their girls team. Uh, so I'm going to pay attention to them. Danbury, they they still got the cred, but they they still got the swagger because they come from indoor with with the points and, and having already done it and the experience. So Danbury's going to be right there. Um, and, and then on the other side, Windsor. They, it hasn't been the spring they expected. There's been all, some disappointments. Uh, they lost the JI meet to Manchester, but maybe you know. You don't need as many points in the state open to win. Maybe they start to come together. Maybe some things fall their way. I wouldn't uh, count them out quite yet. And there's a few other teams uh, that we haven't even mentioned that are going to figure into this thing. Uh, when you talk about McMahon, remember what Vanderell did last time. 
at the state open. He, he did the the rare triple. What can he do to help the team get in the picture this time? So there's a few little smaller teams that are going to play into it, but those are the big boys. But I, I'm still looking to Weathersfield. I'm not straying from that prediction. I, I thought they were going to be the best team at the start of the year. Said they were going to be the state open favorites. They're still the state open favorites today for me. There it is. So Matthew Conyers, always with so much good information. This is why we uh, why we dial him up, why we have him on our uh, our CIAC cast speed dial, and uh, he will be uh, he will be in attendance for uh, for a lot of track and field over the next uh, next few weeks. Let's quickly run down the schedule here for folks. Uh, so the uh, the L and M meets on uh, on uh, May thirty first, followed by the double M and uh, double L meets on June first, and then the class S meet on. June 2nd, followed by the Open on uh, June 6th. So lots of good stuff. Matt, we know you will uh, be, be digging into all of it and, uh, and keeping tabs on everything that's going on, and we always appreciate you uh, taking a little time to, uh, to help us walk through all the, uh, all the championship stuff and, uh, and get a good feel for what's going on. So enjoy it, and uh, we will check up with you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joel, for everything. Love talking to Matt. I know we uh, we have him on quite a bit, and uh, he's one of those gentlemen who uh, who really dives into his uh, his coverage and can offer so much good information about track and field and, and the other sports that he covers. So that's why we uh, that's why we like bringing him on. He's a, he's a great talker. He's uh, I, I have to do very little legwork in terms of questions when Matt's here. We just kind of wind him up and let him go, and he provides all the information. So love having him with us to uh, to talk a little track and field. Hope folks will check out those great championships coming up in uh, in just a few weeks so um moving on now we're going to reach out to uh sean krofsick of the american meriden record journal he's going to offer a little thoughts on some of the intriguing stories in the girls softball tournaments coming up uh in just a few days we are joined now by sean krofsick of the meriden record journal always happy to have uh sean with us we're going to talk a little uh a so- little softball and see what else might uh bounce up as well so sean thanks for uh taking a little bit of time to chat with us here yeah, Joel. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Well, we are happy to talk with you. And uh, as I said, we're going to talk a little softball. Uh, the softball pairings, we are, we are speaking on a Thursday morning. The pairings will be out tomorrow. Many teams still in the midst of their uh, their league tournaments as, as we are in conversation here. But uh, a few of the sort of more interesting and, uh, and top teams in the, the state of Connecticut on the softball field are in Sean's coverage area there in uh, defending Class L champion Southington and uh, defending uh, Class L runner-up Cheshire. And both teams are, are on outstanding seasons yet again and, and look like maybe they're uh, you know locked in for a rematch with each other, although there's obviously a long way to go. So I wanted to have Sean kind of uh, illuminate a little bit this story for us as these two teams, again, are putting together some great seasons uh, in softball. So, Sean, let's start with Southington. Obviously, they've been a big story um, – you know, the past several seasons as they were riding a long winning streak, which was, was finally snapped this year. They, they did have a suffer a loss to Fitch. But what just sort of can you tell us about this team and maybe how is this team different or better than some of the previous versions that has, uh, you know, has earned back-to-back championships in Class L? What do you sort of see as, as the story of this year's Southington team? Well, this, this, heading into this season, um, Davina Hernandez, the coach, her big goal for this team was to actually have a pitching staff. Um, replacing Kendra Freight, who went to Boston College, um, she she has two or three pitchers at her disposal, and she has used them in big-time games this year. Um, her starter is Brenna Sarantides. Uh, she's been fantastic all year. 
and uh, she she's been mainly the year that her starter, and she takes um, she's the senior, and uh, Kara Zizaro comes out of the bullpen for her, um, and she has a zero point two two ERA with six saves this year, uh, sixty one strikeouts and thirty two innings. Those two pitchers kind of present a different um, different. Uh, look for batters, mm-hmm. and it's unusual for for softball um, coach, especially places like Southington. Usually, they rely on one ace, so that's a little bit different for them this year. And it's sure. really worked out for them. Uh, Brett is um, sixteen and one, um, four complete games, which is unusual for that many, and zero point four three ERA. And Southington, like you said, they uh, were one win short of the state record held by Seymour. They lost by lost to undefeated Fitch. Um, they they've had some tough games this year, and they've with a new cast of athletes losing some big time players. Mm-hmm. They really haven't missed a beat this year. So um, things things are looking really strong for the Knights this year, and they're ranked number two uh, in Class Double L, and they'll be a fun team to watch. Um, some of their offensive standouts this year. Um, Emily Mankis, she's hitting about 400. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett is about 400. And uh, they have a Boston College-bound senior at first base. Uh, Natalie Wadalowski leads the team with 24 RBIs, hitting 382. So they're they're a big-time team again this year, definitely a team to watch, Joel. Yeah, no, do you, do you feel like there's been a little bit of a different feeling around that team, uh, you know, now having – had that loss and obviously seen that win streak come to an end, but they've bounced back, obviously. You know, what is sort of the mindset of that team right now, would you well, say, as they kind yeah, of eye well, the state tournament again? Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, there definitely was a lot of pressure on those girls. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of newer girls this year that didn't have a chance to play last year on that team that, that won, that beat Cheshire in that amazing state final. Um, so... I, I the girls would never say that, the coach would never say that, but it almost seemed like there was a bit of relief that they didn't have that streak mm-hmm. on their back anymore, and now they could just play softball and focus on that. Um, so that that's that's what I've noticed, Joel. I think I think you might get a more relaxed team, but it, um, heading into the uh, state tournament next week yeah we will uh, certainly keep an eye on that so now you you mentioned uh cheshire the team that maybe last looked like they were going to end that winning streak when they uh, in that memorable class l or excuse me class double l final last year they took a big lead and then uh, uh were unable to hold it against southington and then it's sort of interesting it seemed like they kind of flew under the radar last year and now this year they're the undefeated team uh, that's been rolling along, and uh, what, what what's kind of the story with this Cheshire team? What's uh what's their makeup like, and and what are their sort of feelings uh, as we head towards the state tournament? Yeah, yeah, no, you're right about that. This this team was, I, I they, this team is very motivated. Um, they have not forgotten last year's state final, mm-hmm. and they lost. Their their starting pitcher um, Mackenzie Juditis from, from graduation last year. She's now pitching in college, and they um, there was some question whether she could be replaced. But man, did they find a replacement, Natty Abramson? She she if not is the best player. She's one of the best players in the state. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. Uh, she's had thrown two no hitters, one perfect game, um, and. 
she almost has, I think she's getting close to 300 strikeouts, and um, she's just as impressive at the plate. She's hitting 500. Wow. Um, she has a, uh, she, yeah, tied the school record, um, for, with 10 home runs, um, this year. Yeah, she's having a real, she's having a monster year and that team, um, she's carrying them. Mm-hmm. And, but it, I, I shouldn't say that because she, the, the, the team is very strong. She has a very good catcher, Megan Hodgson, that really has guided her in her, her first year as the head, you know, as the starter there at Cheshire, um, what 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 big what really helped Cheshire this year is they have these three freshmen that stepped in and then have been fantastic. Uh, Lexi Hemstock, Bree Floyd, and Mia Juditis. Um, they've all been, had big seasons. And another another thing about Cheshire is, man, can they hit home runs? They they I think they're close to thirty home runs again this year, and they just pound the ball and. They have a big game tonight. I know this will air on uh, Friday, I believe. Yep. But um, on uh, Thursday night, they um, have a big game against Amity, and um, they're looking to play for the SEC championship. This is a team to watch, uh, a very fun team to watch. So I, I, I'd uh, suggest the listeners to, to go out and, and check this team out because uh, Abby Abramson's a special special player. Yeah, no, we. Uh, it's certainly, uh, yeah, like you said, kind of fun that you folks have uh, have had the chance to be able to see both of these teams uh, so often. So, and and we talk about this, and again, we don't want to. Uh, we're not getting ahead of ourselves here. We recognize there are a lot of teams uh, that are going to be competing for that championship in Class Double L, and there are a lot of really great softball teams uh, all around the state. So we 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 don't want to feel like we're uh, we're missing anybody here, and that this is just one thing we decided to talk about on the podcast this week, but. Uh, if you know, you mentioned that uh, that Cheshire has not forgotten that loss in the in the finals last year. Um, if you had to sort of, uh, if both these teams are able to find their way back to that championship game, if and I, I say that with a big if, what would you? Uh, how would you sort of break down the matchup if if you see Cheshire versus Southington again? What do you? Uh, you know, I'm not asking you for a prediction necessarily, but uh, how yeah. do you how do you kind of break that one down if they were to match up again in the finals? First of all, I'd love to see it personally, but um, that that would be it. Would be a great game. It would be a great game. Two very young and talented coaches. Uh, Davina Hernandez has been coach of the year for the state, I believe, for the Connecticut High School Coaches Association. I think she was coach of the year, and then um, uh, and Christine Druss for Cheshire is coach of the year. These are two. Um, smart, innovative coaches. It, it's fun to see these two go against each other. Um, they both have great styles, mm-hmm. and they both have strong teams at their disposal. Great pitching, um, and they really focus on hitting. And both these clubs can really hit. Um, I, I think it would be like the last few times they've played, Joel. They, they close, close games um, down to the wire. And uh, I, I think, especially this part of the state, we would love to see that, that matchup again. No question. Yeah, it would be a lot of yeah. fun. And uh, as you said, the, they're sort of geographical rivals that, uh, you know, obviously aren't in the same league, so don't square off uh, always in the regular season. But uh, it would be a lot of fun if they do uh, 
find their way to the Class Double L Finals. So we we would be remiss if we didn't let you uh, talk about you know maybe some of the other teams or, or stories that the uh, the Record Journal has had its eye on uh, this spring season. What are some of the other things that uh, your readers have been able have been treated to this year, either in terms of uh, you know really compelling teams or compelling stories that uh, have kind of uh, had you folks' attention during the spring. Well, this is the first year in quite a while that we've had all, we cover seven softball teams and all seven have made the state tournament. It's the first time that's happened in a long time. Nice. So I've had the good fortune of seeing a lot of strong softball this year. Um, but I'd have to start with Maloney. Um, that team kind of had a lot of questions heading into this year. Mm-hmm. And um, they had a strong year. Uh, they, they replaced their whole outfield. They were basically replaced. I think they had they lost six starters, but they brought back their pitcher, Paige McIntyre, who's who's very strong, and she's she's really um, she's she's had a big year for them. And that team is sixteen and four. They're currently ranked number three in Class L, and uh, they they had a big fourteen game winning streak, and they did have one. The first time they played, played Platt this year was an interesting game, Joel. They uh, it was they at Lincoln Middle School. Mm-hmm. Uh, Platt's home field wasn't ready because of uh, the construction around the school. But uh, um, Ashley Gallo hit a two-run homer for for Platt in the third inning. I put that up two to one, and they, that's a huge rivalry here, Joel. Sure. So um, the umpire and um, I guess the Baloney coach spotted out Scott Oresco that the girl didn't touch home plate on the home run Mm -hmm. and yeah it was pretty interesting and the umpire agreed with him and uh the run was taken off the board it was 1-1 and Maloney went on to win that game 4-1 sure and then but we we printed a a story uh, a photo later on it looked like the girl touched the plate those tough plays are so tough to call I'm not criticizing the umpire at all it's very very Difficult to, yeah. to make that call, but I, I wanted to mention that uh, Brian Carpenter, my colleague, wrote a, a column about this. Um, Ashley really handled herself well when it, when asked after the game, and uh, I just wanted to mention that to you that that she was fantastic after the game, and that was that was one of the nice parts of the spring was how how well she handled herself in an interview after that with with such grace, and uh, that was definitely a big big story for us uh, Joel yeah no uh, certainly yeah. that story uh, caught our attention and is one we included in a uh, one of our linked up uh, features and yeah we sort of always have the you know they're certainly not going to uh, behave perfectly all the time but are always amazed by how when we have issues in, in high school sports it so rarely seems to be the kids that are the ones uh, that they always seem to handle themselves so well and that story was a great uh, great example of that that uh, as you mentioned the young lady who uh just uh, handled everything with uh, with tremendous class in a very tough situation. So uh, kudos on that, and encourage folks to check out that story and uh, and check out some of those uh, as you said, seven softball teams heading to the state tournament from your uh, neck of the woods. That's pretty impressive, and uh, and there's at least two as we mentioned that folks are going to be keeping an eye on. So Sean, we we appreciate you chatting with us and, and offering a little bit of an insight. And again, these aren't uh, it's not the only softball stories to watch, but certainly a compelling one as we enter the tournament. So thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, no problem, Joe. We look forward to seeing you out there at the softball field. Absolutely.
Thanks so much to Sean for joining us. And now we're going to wrap up the show uh, talking a little boys lacrosse. Mike Sportini of laxworm.com. He keeps an eye on all of the happenings across the boys lacrosse landscape in Connecticut. So we're going to get his perspective on what's going to happen here in the next few weeks in the CIAC boys lacrosse tournaments. Joined on the phone now by Mike Sportini of laxworm.com. Always like to uh, reach out to Mike to get a little uh, perspective on what's happening as we head into the boys lacrosse tournaments. Mike, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it. Very happy to, to have you along. And uh, we're speaking uh, about half an hour after the boys lacrosse pairings uh, have been released. Folks can find those, of course, at uh, CICsports.com. Go to the Tournament Central section, and you've got all the tournament information you might need. So Mike's had a little bit of time maybe to uh, to digest this, but certainly has been keeping tabs on the teams uh, you know that are making some noise around the state as we head into the tournament. So we're going to kind of just bounce around and, and talk about some of the things that have, have kind of gained his attention. Let's start off uh, maybe, Mike, with some of the teams uh, that, that are kind of most interested to you as we head into the tournament. Obviously, uh, defending champion in Class L, Darien, is, is undefeated again, and they're certainly uh, always a team to be reckoned with. But who are some of the teams that uh, you're kind of focused on as we head into uh, CIAC tournament play? Well, you know, Joel, if you look at that L division, first of all, you have seven of the top ten teams in the state, according to the uh, the register poll. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at a a tournament and a division that is going to just be, you know, nonstop excitement. Darien certainly is that team that you always look at, and and at least I do, because I think they're always in the mix in some way, shape, or form. But this year, a little bit different. Their team is very strong. I think they're very balanced all the way through. They've been ranked nationally all the way through the season. I said at the, at the beginning of the season that I feel Darianne could potentially be a number one in the country team. Um, and, and I think you're seeing them kind of drive towards that route. And I think they have some, they beat some big teams out of state, but they're also uh, doing a great job in state. If you stick with that L division, you just look at what the pairings are right now. I, I always get a kick out of it because Shelton and Danbury, for example, they're in the state tournament. They're all excited. And if they, whoever wins that game, it gets the dubious distinction of playing Darianne first round. <laughs> sure. So that's always a challenge. But if you look at the teams, like I said, top the seven of the top ten teams, Simsbury, Ridgefield, Staples, Darianne, Wilton, Glastonbury, Fairfield Prep, that is a loaded division in that class L. And I think that's going to be the most exciting division this year just because of the teams that are in there. I think when you go into the M division, for example, you've got New Canaan. I will say there, there's going to be some good games through that, but in all candor, I, I just think Duquesne is a very, very good team this year. I know they lost three, but they, you know, one of them was Gary Ann, one of them was out of state. So I look at those, that team as, as Duquesne and coming through that M division pretty strong. Um, but some of the teams you got to you got to give credit. You got Bunnell now. Bunnell, when did we? You know, when I as long as I've been covering lacrosse, mm-hmm. Bunnell hasn't been a team that I've said, hey, state tournament, they're going to be playing. But now you're seeing them pop in. You have Bunnell, you have Stratford, you have all these new teams, which is great for the sport because it's showing the growth of the sport. Um, but I would look to in the end division in all candor. I don't think New Canaan's going to lose a game there. I think they run through that. Um, the S division is interesting to me because I look at that and St. Joe's the defending champion. They have a they have a qualifying round against Montel, and then once they get plugged in, they're on the side of the bracket that I don't think they have a team that's going to be as competitive with them. Mm-hmm. And I know I talk about this every year, Joel, and it's just one of those things that has nothing to do with I like St. Joe's or anything else. I just think they're in that FCAC division. They see a lot of high, fast-paced, 
very deep teams, and they, and they get used to that. And unfortunately, some of these upper uh, upstate teams don't necessarily have the depth or the speed that St. Joe's used to, so they tend to move through it pretty quickly. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Somers. I always said I said all year long that the top four teams that I was looking at in the S is uh, St. Joe's, Somers, Weston, and Granby were the were those teams that I said those potentially are going to be your final four, and I don't think I'm going to waver from that right now. All right, so that's uh, a few things to look at as we go forward. What are maybe, uh, you know, just from what you've seen, you know, and, and not necessarily maybe the, the matchups aren't favorable to them again. We, you know, the pairings have just been out and kind of seeing how things break down. But just maybe some, some teams that are a little bit off the radar, you know, that maybe, you know, there maybe aren't championship-level kind of teams, but but might be teams that, you know, you could see kind of maybe making a surprise run, uh, you know, a little deeper into the tournament. Some off-the-radar teams that maybe folks uh, aren't aren't paying as much attention to. Anyone uh, strike your fancy in, in that regard in any of these tournaments? You know, that qualifying round, you always have to be careful because you never know who you're getting into. And, and even if you're in that top 16, depending on how many people uh, qualified, they have to play. So when you're talking about a Fairfield Ward in the Southington, for example, with Cal, mm-hmm. you know, Fairfield Ward, they're going to, if, if they win that and they come in, they're going to be playing Simsbury. Uh, can Ward beat Simsbury? Can Southington beat Simsbury? I don't know, but I think there's a better chance of a Ward beating a Simsbury than there might be a, a Shelton beating a Darian. So right. I look at some of these qualifiers coming in. I think the other side, too, is when you look at uh, Greenwich and Newtown, both of those teams we always talk about this year, both teams down a little bit, but that is, there's a storyline there. Yeah. Coach Balkley is now with Newtown, and now they're, in order to get into the state championships, he has to beat his former team, and that's going to be a little bit of a storyline. And one of those teams is going to get in and play Glastonbury, and although Glastonbury is a top-10 team, I think both Greenwich and Newtown uh, can play Glastonbury strong, and I think Greenwich, if they get in there, can potentially move forward and set up a prep a Fairfield Prep Greenwich um, quarterfinal. So I, I, there are some teams out there. If you go into the end, like I said, I think New Canaan is probably the cream of the crop. But you got teams like Barlow. Barlow's sitting out there. They've had a good season. They're going to be playing Bacon, the winner of Bacon and Foreign. And, and uh, Bacon and Foreign, obviously, younger teams that are into the championships now. Bacon has been there a few years. Foreign now, second year in. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a, a an opportunity for one of those teams to get by Barlow. I don't think it happens. I think Barlow moves on. Brookfield Stratford is uh, the next one in that bracket, and Notre Dame of West Haven. So I, the Notre Dame of West Haven has been a little bit up and down this year. So yeah. can Brookfield or Stratford play them tough? Possibly. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't turn turn on them. And the other team I always have to throw out there in in this M division is New Fairfield. I think they're a wild card. They play well. They can go deep into this tournament. Absolutely. What about uh, for for folks you know who maybe. Uh, you know, sort of have a casual uh, following of, of boys lacrosse in Connecticut. Um, you know, just a couple names of, of some players to, to keep an eye on. You know, maybe they haven't been uh, that, you know, they keep up during the regular season, but they want to kind of dive into the uh, the postseason and maybe try to go check out a game or two. Who are a couple of the of the players that they should really be keeping an eye on and, and uh, looking forward to seeing as we move through the tournament? Well, I think there's a couple players that are really, you know, you got Will Perry down in Greenwich. Uh, he's. If you look at the rankings as to how they choose or how they rank uh, uh, lacrosse players going into college from high school, he's the 15th ranked player. And then Mark Ivanchek, obviously, is a big football star that set the sack record mm-hmm. uh, last year. But he is also a tremendous, tremendous lacrosse player. I think one of the best long sticks that has ever played the game in Connecticut. 
Uh, Peter Durst down in Ridgefield, he's another one. He's uh, ranked number 49th right now in the top 100 recruits. And then uh, David Strupp, who is down in uh, New Canaan. Uh, some of the goalies you got to look at, there, there's uh, Jack O'Connor. He's at um, Pratt. He's a terrific goalie. Uh, there's uh, Drew Morris at New Canaan, who's a terrific goalie. And then you look at some of the younger guys. There's a guy at Stratford, Dan Cox, a great goalie. The guy at Bunnell, who's uh, Jack Farrell, who's a senior. He's a great goalie to watch. Uh, there's a, a face-off guy in Bunnell called uh, Jared Davis. You know, he's a tremendous face-off player and could probably play on most teams. Mm-hmm. So there's players scattered around that are in this championship round, and, and not only in the CIAC championships, but they're, they're even going through their league championships now right. uh, that are great to watch and are exciting players. Yeah, no, certainly uh, a lot of uh, a lot of excitement and a lot of great people to keep an eye on. Any sort of uh, just kind of broader, you know, big picture things. You know, we sort of dove in on some of the teams and some of the players. Any kind of just big picture things that you're sort of looking at, or, or big storylines that you're keeping an eye on as uh, as these tournaments unfold and that fans can uh, can be aware of as as things progress here in the next few weeks. I think you're going to see a lot of the teams that are that are just in this getting the taste, that, and some of these teams are going to be in their championships for the first time and mm-hmm. in their playoffs for the first time. I think what you're going to, you know, the thing to watch in my mind is how these teams do in these championships. Uh, who who is the one that really comes in and takes advantage of the opportunity of being in that championship tournament? Uh, and I think you're going to see, you know, in that S division, you'll see a lot of teams that probably people don't think of as lacrosse teams. At least down in the Fairfield County, you got to understand, Fairfield County sometimes gets a little jaded <laughs> because they're, they've been the powerhouse for years. But these upstate teams are really coming along, and, and it's really starting to, to, to really grasp the game. They've got some real talented players. They're starting to put games together where they're getting multiple players on the team where it used to be they had you know, two or three great players, now they get four or five or six great players on that team. Right. So I would look, you know, in my mind, I'm looking at the the teams that you don't always hear about because I think those are the ones that are going to be exciting to me to see how they do as they progress through here. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these teams maybe even come up and bite one of the teams that thinks they're going to walk through this. And and uh, and they, I would look more to the S division on that because I think that's a wide open division right now. Sure, maybe two or three teams. Uh, so that's just, that's essentially what I'm looking for overall, and also you know the growth of this game over the past few years has been nothing but just you know tremendous in in, in the country, but certainly in Connecticut, seeing a lot more of these teams come in, a lot more teams becoming relevant in the conversation when you start talking about lacrosse, uh, and it'll be exciting to see how they do through the through the championship time. Yeah, no, I was, uh, you know, noting this morning, just looking at it, when you've got, uh, I think, believe it's a total of 18 qualifying games, you know, qualifying round games, that just shows you a little bit of that, you know, that depth that we're working towards to, uh, you know, when you've got that many teams that are qualifying, uh, and as you said, maybe getting a first chance or a first or a second crack at uh, at tournament competition, and yeah, it is fun to see, you know, which teams are going to kind of make the most of that opportunity and uh, and maybe challenge some of those perennial teams that uh, that are often successful in this tournament. So we're we're yeah, looking forward absolutely, to it. Absolutely, Joel. I think that's a good point. Is the number of qualifying rounds coming in is was is big, and I think that is a that's proof of this game growing in Connecticut and people becoming more serious and and players starting to really take it as as one of their prime sports.
No question. And yeah, it leads to, uh, you know, be- better better competition and better games. And, uh, and I think that rises everybody up. So hopefully we'll see that uh, as we progress through. So, Mike, we always appreciate you uh, carving out a little time. I know uh, lacrosse, certainly a passion for you and, uh, and high school lacrosse in that as well and, and really following it in Connecticut. So we love getting your perspective and uh, enjoy the, uh, the next few weeks. And uh, I'm sure we will see you at the championships, uh, keeping tabs on everything in just a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our guests this week. Mike Sportini, Laxworm.com, Sean Krofsick of the Meriden Record Journal, Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current. Always happy to have those gentlemen with us. And again, if you've got folks that you think would be good guests for the spring season uh, who do a good job covering a particular sport, a particular team, uh, whatever it might be, please let us know. Shoot us a, a message on Twitter, at CIAC Sports is our, uh, our Twitter handle, and uh, that's a great place, obviously. Lots of, if you want to sign up, and follow us on Twitter. That's we tweet out the result of every single tournament game. So your uh, your Twitter feed is going to be very full for the next few weeks from CIC Sports. But uh, it's a great place also to message us and uh, and let us know if you think there's a guest we should be uh, talking to on the CIC Sports uh, podcast as well. Of course, you can email me email us. I'm having a hard time talking today. CIACcast at CASCIAC.org. So hope you will, uh, as I said, send us along a message. Let us know who we should be talking to, who you think uh, could offer some good perspective on some of these spring championships. With that said... Thank you once again to all of our guests for being with us. Be sure to check out Tournament Central. That's where you can get all of the tournament information you're looking for. Schedules, pairings, rosters. Please check out those rosters. You head to a game, you can check it out on your mobile device. You can print it out before you go. It's got results. It's got rosters. Everything you could possibly want once you head to a game. Uh, What else do we have there? You can sign up for email or text alerts. That's a good thing to do this time of year. You can check out past brackets, see how how your favorite team fared in in previous years and now how they might be doing this year. So lots of good stuff at Tournament Central. And uh, as always, we hope you will check all of it out. Follow us on Twitter at CIC Sports. As I said, that Twitter feed is going to be very, very busy the next few weeks as uh, tournaments get underway, but we hope you will uh, enjoy getting all of that information to you. You can also check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. I am Joel Cookson. We thank you so very much for being with us again. As I said, uh, not quite sure what we're going to do for the CIAC cast going forward here through the tournaments. Probably try to... Uh, to get one out before kind of big championship weekend and then maybe afterwards as well, but never quite sure how the schedule is going to uh, play out this time of year. So we'll see how that goes, but keep an eye out for us. We hope you'll be back with us whenever that is for another edition of the CIAC cast.